We just want to say welcome to you this morning if you're new and if you're joining us from another one of Hope's campuses, want to welcome you to this extension of your family here at Hope Des Moines. And we are just so glad that you're here on this cool and crisp fall morning. Can you believe that Thanksgiving is coming soon and uh, the leaves are falling and changing? God's creation is absolutely beautiful. I don't know if you've driven around. To, yeah, you can give God praise for that too. I don't know if you've, uh, I don't know if you've driven around town recently, but it's just beautiful. It's just gorgeous. And I just pray that in the midst of your crazy, busy days sometimes that you would just take some time to breathe it all in. God is just showing off these days. So uh, take, take him up on that offer. But if you're new uh, or if you haven't been around the last couple of weeks, just to get, get us all up to speed, we are uh, right in the middle of a uh, giving campaign, a, a sermon series that goes along with that called Building Hope together. And uh, we're in week two of this campaign, not just uh, as a church here at Hope Des Moines, but the reason it's called Building Hope Together is because we're doing that uh, as Lutheran Church of Hope, as Hope Des Moines, Hope Ankeny, and Hope Johnston Grimes. I don't know if you know, but uh, Hope Ankeny has purchased land off that new exit off the interstate there in Ankeny, and they're going to be near one of the new high schools. Uh, And Hope Johnston Grimes is actually partnering with the YMCA. So the future YMCA that's going to be there in Johnston will be half YMCA, half Lutheran Church of Hope. I mean, how cool is that? Uh, And think about all the new people uh, that will be able to experience Jesus uh, through that. And uh, if you haven't had a chance yet, I know Andy mentioned this, but uh, in this packet, you can actually pick these up. These are available uh, back at the Welcome Center today by the computer. You can grab one of these. And in there is pictures and and, uh, the renderings from our architect of what our future site is going to look like down on Ingersoll, uh, if you haven't heard about that yet, and uh, be sure to come back for that last informational meeting. There's lots of these packets uh, that can still be picked up. If you haven't had a chance to go to an open house, just a great opportunity to ask questions and learn more about where we're going uh, as a church. And these three goals that we have during the campaign, can you remember what they are? Eat pizza, sing songs, no, right? Gather, grow, and give. Gather, grow, and give. So it's not just about money and buildings. It's about us becoming the church that God has created us to be. In fact, if you had a chance to attend one of those open houses, some of you heard me say uh, in the video that you listened to um, that over the last five years, and this is very true, I've had multiple people come up to me. Actually, so many people ask me, uh, John, when are we going to build a church? And it's a bit interesting to see the looks on their faces when I immediately respond, oh, we already have. Well, where's it at? Uh, How much did it cost? I said, nothing. Because God has built us into a church. A church without walls. You are the church. And God has been totally up to something the last five years. A church without walls and homes and coffee shops and out on the street corners of the city. And so if you want to know what our future church looks like, just kind of go like this right now. Everybody just kind of do that. Just kind of look around. Don't be afraid. Look behind you. Somebody turn and look behind you. Just stare at somebody. There we go. Make them feel really uncomfortable, right? Do you like what your future church looks like? Uh, I don't know, right? And hopefully a few more, right? There'll be many more that will be joining us that will make up that. But that is what we're going to look like. And I hope that you like it. Uh, Plus many more, of course. But yet this... Underneath this question, I think when people ask, John, when are you going to build a church? Or, or sometimes, you know, when, when are you going to move out and be a real church, right? Well, I don't think it gets much more real than that, right? That's being the church, right? Um, 
I think sometimes underneath that question is, I think the true desire for a lot of people is that they want to be a great church. I've never, met, I've never met a follower of Jesus that doesn't want to be a part of a great church. I've never met somebody that doesn't want to be a part of a radical church that's worth getting up for in the morning, that's worth giving your, your time to, not just on Sundays, but all throughout the week, that's, that's, that's making an impact on the city. Because here's the truth. Des Moines does not need more church buildings. It needs more of the local church being the church, wherever that is, because the local church is the hope of the world. And we believe that wholeheartedly, that Jesus Christ working through all of us is the hope of the world. Because here's the reality. Buildings don't change people's lives. Jesus does. And he is living in every single one of you. That's why we need to continue to be the church, no matter where our church building happens to be. But the reality is that not having a 24-7 facility is hindering our ability to continue to live out the mission that God has given us. And as we talked about last week, we have this calling that God has given us as a church. And it's from that passage that Kathy read for us in Ephesians 4. We read this last week. Let's read it together up again on the screen. Nice and loud, let's read that together. I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling that you have received. I think we can do better than that. Let's try one more time. I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling that you have received. I would imagine that when the Apostle Paul penned those words, he wasn't, I urge you to try to do better as a church. I urge you. He's writing it with everything that he has. So the truth is that right now, we are a great church. Right now, we are a radical church, and God has blessed us in so many ways. But what I want to show you this morning is that I believe that over these next several months, God is calling us on a journey from here to there. And not necessarily just in a, in a physical sense, in a, in, a, in a physical way of where we are, but I believe that we're here. That's where we are, not just at Hubble Elementary School, but where we're at in our growth, where we're at in our maturity, where we're at in fulfilling our potential as a church community. But as the song says that we sing a lot, greater things are yet to come. Greater things are still to come in this city. Because I believe that our calling and our potential to be a radical church is there. And our journey is to move from here to there. And folks, here's the reality. There are still tens and thousands of people in the greater Des Moines area that do not have a church home, that don't know the love of Jesus Christ. There are tens and thousands of people that don't know what it's like to be loved as many of you have been loved here. There are people that are hurting, that are broken, that are lost today, not only in our city, but certainly with the recent news in our world. And until that is no longer the case, until there are no more broken, hurting, lost, hungry, lonely people in the world, until everybody is connected with Jesus Christ in our city, staying here is not an option. Amen? We can't just say, well, we've arrived as a church. I'm just happy with where we're at here at Hubble. It's not an option. God is calling us there. So we've embarked on this guilt-free, Christ-centered, prayer-centered, Bible-centered campaign. 
And yet we know that anywhere in life, in, in order to accomplish a mission, this, this seems pretty easy, but this is quite the journey. Anywhere in life, not just in the church, in order to accomplish anything worthwhile, in order to accomplish a mission, you need a great team. You need a great team in order to accomplish that goal. So I just want to do a little brainstorming as a group. This is not a one-way dialogue when I preach here. I want to do a little brainstorming with you because you're all pretty smart. Are you? No? Okay. Well, you don't have to participate if you're not smart. Just for the smart people then. I want, I want you to yell out some characteristics, not just of a, of a great church, but of a great team. Could be a sports team. Could be a, a team that you've been on at work. Uh, it could be a family unit when you work together well as a team as, with your, your kids or as brothers and sisters or a husband and wife. Wherever you're at in society, what are the characteristics of a great team? Just yell some out. Love, selflessness, teamwork, humility, mission, respect. What else? A good offense, yeah. So, so don't be the Cyclones. No, I'm just kidding. I, uh, what else? What else? Communication, consistency. Yeah, all good ones, right? And all those things make up a great team. And you might be wondering, okay, John, that's great. But here's where it hits home for us. Every single one of those, I think, can also be applied to us as a church. If we are going to be a radical church, we need to function as a great team. Because this is not about me. This is not about the pastors. This is not about the leaders. This is not about the staff. It's about all of us together. Because I believe those same characteristics are going to be what we need... What in the world is going on? Guys, I don't know what's going on. Let's Hold on, Blair, hold on. Well, let, let's no, come sorry, back. John, John, yeah. we're just yeah. we're we're testing out You're a song. You're just practicing. Okay. We're testing out a song back here. Tell you what, I mean, I'm going to say a few more things and then why don't maybe well, in no, just it's just, just that, another minute, why don't you just come back in? Well, I and mean, then we'll, it's just that Production's pretty important back here. Yeah, I mean, we're I, really I'm actually going to part of I got I got one other thing I was going to say and then we'll well, okay, I we'll mean, we're just, we're just an important part of the team here, so we just I know. really need to get our, our side in important. before yeah. we, I know you're, we you're keep really going here. I, Blair, I know you're really important and everything. Yeah. But yeah, I, you know that. Yeah. Actually, I do have a couple of things I need to say. <laughs> so, oh. Thanks for sharing that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's great. Uh, hang on. Wait, Whoa. Um, yeah. I'm pretty sure it's pretty clear that music yeah. is the most important part of the team. I mean, uh, what? We're all You guys... Kim, we're talking about being a great team. This is not very helpful, you guys. I, I think we can all agree that that makes sense. <laughs> you think worship's the most important Absolutely. thing? Are you like a rock star in your free time or something? That's all I want. Wow. Uh, Kim Hensley, everybody. Wow. That's great. Really, really appreciate that. Uh, thanks, guys. Um, you know, it's important that one of those things that we need to be a great team is, is unity and not interrupting the sermon... Of course, uh, when that happens, uh, does anybody else have anything that they wanted yeah, to, to, to? Yeah. To oh, sure, Andy. Why don't you just? Why don't you just go ahead and, and you know jump right in there? Everybody knows it's yes. the children that are the most important part. Yeah. I mean, they kind of need to be able to run around the whole building like they're crazy. Or what do you want to do? Just clear all the chairs and yeah. have a basketball game right now or something? We're in a gym. Maybe yeah. Well, Andy, we're in worship right now. It's not time for basketball. Just. Yeah, I, the kids are important, but yeah, okay, 
Okay, fine. <laughs> thanks for thanks for sharing though, but Yeah. Can you tell? It's the chairs. It's the chairs. Oh, the chairs. Oh. <laughs> wow. You know, I appreciate that, Brienne. You know, I, you put a lot into that, and you have great setup team and everything. I can't remember the last time we sang a worship song about chairs, though. So maybe they're not the most important. No. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, the donut holes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. You know, I know. They're, they're bright and shiny people. Yeah, back there. Wow. Thanks, Brianna. The donut holes are really important, but I think you're a little off. I don't think they're the most important thing. I think, I think you're a little off in, in that sense. Oh. It's not the microphone, obviously, because it doesn't work. Uh, intern Pastor Josh, everybody. Here he is. Yeah. Yeah. You might have to just talk loud, I guess. I don't know. Nobody else apparently knows what they're doing here, so I think yeah. we should just let the intern take over. Oh, sure. You know, go, go ahead. Go, go ahead. Just take over. That's great. Yeah. yeah and I, the thing I was thinking about this probably yeah. the best idea, especially as it's getting into the winter, yeah. is to start a whole Florida branch. I'm from Florida. Oh, okay. <laughs> South Beach, maybe? Uh, Josh, see, that, that can't be... We're kind of called here to Des Moines, so I don't know if that's going to work out. I know it's the first time you've seen anything under 50 degrees, but just hang in there. Intern Pastor Josh, everybody. There he is. Yeah. Uh, anybody else have anything they want to try? It's kind of an all-play here this morning, I guess. So uh, the Hope Des Moines staff, give them a round of applause. There they are. I appreciate them. Wow. Um, I don't know what just happened. That was, that was odd. Um, so we're, we're talking about being unified, though, and just as all of them said, they have their own ideas of what makes a great church, but maybe we should go back to the manual, maybe we should go back to the book and discover for ourselves what it is that makes a great church, what it is that makes a radical church. So if you've got your Bibles open, let's discover what God says a great church is all about, not just my crazy staff that just went off this morning and likes to in interrupt things. So turn to Ephesians chapter 4. That's what Kathy read for us this morning. Ephesians chapter 4. And we're going to start in verse 3. So right after we just read there, Paul is, is talking to the church in Ephesus, and he's, for all we know, he's talking to us this morning. Because we're a group of people that has gathered that's seeking to be a radical church. And Paul says this in verse 3. If you've got it, say, I'm there. He says, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. What is the word that comes up over and over and over again in that passage? One, one right? Not two, not three, not many. One. This idea of unity. Do you think that Paul is trying to make a point here? Yes, I think so, right? In his letter to the church, Paul is telling them the first thing that we need to be a radical church this morning, and it's this. Radical unity. Everybody say unity. unity. Radical unity. That they would be one. Can you imagine if our church staff acted like that every single Sunday? That would be chaos, right? Kim's going to have her rock star glasses up here. Brian's going to be throwing donut holes around. Andy's going to be running around with the kids, right? That would be chaos. 
And nobody wants that. You can't accomplish anything as a team if you don't have unity. If you're not of like heart and mind. And a lot of us have our own ideas. This is what I want the church to be. And this is what I want the church to be, just as they all said. But something we've realized as a staff, we're going to go anywhere together. And this just doesn't apply to them. It applies to all of you. If we're going to move anywhere, if we're going to move from here to there, we have to be unified. How important is unity in the church? The night before, well, the night that Jesus was arrested and taken away, and he's saying his final prayers, and he's crying out to God, making these requests to God. Do you know what he prayed for? Unity. He prayed that we would all be one. It says this in John chapter 17, verse 22. It says, I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. He's speaking to his Father in heaven. I in them and you in me. Now listen to this. So that they may be brought to complete unity. Now now listen to this. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. So Jesus' prayer to God on our behalf is not just some wishful thinking, oh, I just hope they can all get along. But he says the purpose of our unity is so that when people see us united, they will see Jesus. They will see a united body of Christ. They will see Jesus and not our petty little differences. That it would be like that breath of fresh, cool fall air. When people look at the church and they see us and the love that we have for each other and the unity that we have together. Because if, you're, if we're honest, we look all around us, everywhere else in this world, and what do we see? We see disunity. We see arguing, we see gossip, we see fighting to prove that you're right. And too often the church falls into that as well, and it's much of the same. But when healthy, the church, the local church that you're a part of here, can offer something to this world that you can't get anywhere else. And that's the ability to rally around and be unified on a mission that changes lives for eternity. You tell me another group <laughs> that you can be unified on that, that you can be so different. I mean, when you think about it, how could all of us come from so many different backgrounds and yet still be united here today and still call ourselves a family? I was thinking about all of you this week, which I often do, and I was thinking about how many of you this is your very first church home ever. I was thinking about how for many of you, you've been here a really long time. And some of you just started following Jesus this year. Some of you, it's been your entire life. We've got people from all sorts of different denominations. We're letting the Methodists in and the Catholics and the Presbyterians. And you're hanging out with a bunch of weird Lutherans. I don't know how it ended up that way. But we're all getting along. We're all united. We've got people that are from the deep in the heart of the city. We've got people from the suburbs. We've got people from all sorts of different family backgrounds, from blended families. We've got people from di- that have different political views. We have people that have a whole lot of different laughs. Have you heard yourself giggle recently? Just, just giggle for me a little bit. Just laugh right now, would you? That was pathetic, okay? Imagine that I said something funny which I know never happens up here, okay? Imagine I say something funny, and on the count of three, I just want you to give me the deepest belly laugh. And don't just listen to yourself. Listen to all the other laughs around you, okay? One, two, three. Let me have it! (laughs) 
some of you have weird laughs. <laughs> right? It's just funny. It's just, do you know there are people that go to, to, to jails and penitentiaries and do laughing exercises because it's therapeutic for the soul? Isn't that crazy? If you can't remember the last time you laughed until right then, something's wrong. We need more laughter in our lives. How is it that all of us can be brought together? How could we possibly be united? Well, I came across this quote that I think answers that question from a great author and pastor. His name's A.W. Tozer. And I just want you to imagine this. Just imagine that there's a whole bunch, of, there's a hundred pianos lined up here on the stage. Like huge grand pianos. Okay? They're all lined up here. I don't know if they'd fit, but they're all lined up. Okay? And this is what he says. Has it ever occurred to you that a hundred pianos all tuned to the same fork one same fork, are automatically tuned to each other. They are of one accord, not by being tuned to each other, but to another standard to which each must individually bow. You ever thought about that? We had a hundred pianos up here, and we try to tune them to each other. We're going to drive ourselves crazy. It's not going to work. But if we have one tuning fork that we all agree on. This is what the point is. This is what we're rallying around. And we tune all the pianos to that tuning fork. Then all the pianos are going to be on the same page. And I love that quote. It's when they find their common tune. It's absolutely beautiful. So why would it be any different for us as God's family? Think about that for a second. Why would it be any different for us? All of us tuned to this idea that there is nothing greater than knowing Jesus Christ and making him known. And this isn't just about, what I'm saying is about being unified, is not laying down our own individual preferences and our own opinions. We don't want to do that. It's about all, us, all of us being tuned to the same thing. It's not laying down our opinions and our uniqueness just so we can get along. It's putting Jesus at the center and to be a radical church, we got to be known way more for what we're for rather than what we're against. Amen? Amen? That's what it means to be a radical church. We don't become one by watering down our differences. We want you to be authentic to who you are. Unity comes when we lay aside our personal agendas and say, God, we want what you desire for this church more than what we want. More than our own individual agendas. And yet it doesn't end there. We need radical unity, but there's way more to being a radical church. And so we go back to the story of the early church for our next key. Turn with me to the book of Acts chapter 6. Acts chapter 6. It should be right after the Gospels. Acts chapter 6. And we're going to start right away at the beginning. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and then Acts is the very next book. And we're going to start in verse... One. So the early church is growing and expanding. We don't know anything about that, do we? Right? And there's new people coming in, and there's lots of different roles and lots of different responsibilities. And verse 1, we read this. In those days when the number of disciples was increasing, the Hellenistic Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews. So we've got the Greeks, and we've got the Hebrews arguing because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So stop right there. What's happening? Family conflict. Anybody ever uh, experienced family conflict? 
two of you. Wow, you're amazing people, right? That's, that's amazing. Some people are getting more food in the food lines than others. God's united them together as a family, and now, it's, now what? And so what do they do? There, there's conflict among the church. What do they do? Do they start gossiping about each other? Do they start backstabbing against each other? Start complaining? No, they go outside and they say, God has made us a family. God has made us brothers and sisters. So we're going to figure out how to do this together. Let's read starting in verse 2. So the 12 gathered all the disciples together and said, It would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word in order to wait on tables. So they've got to kind of divide up the duties here. Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and we'll give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. So just as my mom and dad used to do with my brother and I when we would start bickering and we couldn't figure it out, she'd throw us outside in the backyard and said, boys, figure it out. Your family. Learn how to love each other. And that's what the early church is doing. Let's figure out how everybody can contribute to the mission. Growth conflict, dividing up duties. In other words, family matters. And just like in a healthy family, instead of letting conflict get in the way of our mission, because conflict could derail the mission as we try to move from here to there, they get the second key truth, is that unity does not mean uniformity. Instead, what makes us a radical church is radical contribution. Everybody knows their role. Radical contribution. Everybody knows a role because not everybody's gifted in the exact same way. And if we can get that, it'll totally change the way we see ourselves in this community. Because for some of you, it's going to be really easy to miss the entire point of this campaign. Because you're sitting there thinking, oh, this is just all about money. You know, I'm not really blessed financially, so all of this doesn't apply to me. Some of you might be thinking that. So I don't really have a place here. There's not really a role for me on this mission. But nothing could be further from the truth. Because every single one of us has something to give. And just as the early church needed to figure out, okay, you guys are gifted in hospitality, you're gifted in teaching and preaching of the word, you're gifted in prayer, and they divided up these duties. Maybe we need to start reframing our thinking to considering everything that God has blessed us with as an opportunity to bless others. To start thinking of it this way, that includes, number one, your time. Everybody say time. time. Your time, your days, your months, your years. That's a gift every single one of us have. Secondly, our talents. Everybody say talents. 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 You might say, well, I'm not a professional at anything. Every single one of you has gifts and abilities. Every single one of you has passions, things that you love to do that can bless our community. And last but not least, your treasure. Everybody say treasure. treasure. Some of you have been gifted financially. Some of you do have material wealth, our time, our talents, our treasure. What if a part of your uh, prayer time, which I pray that you're doing daily throughout this campaign, what if a part of your prayer time was not just considering what God is calling you to give financially, but how you're stewarding the time, talents, and treasures that he's given to you. Think about it this way. I may have shared this with you before, but I think in terms of talking about the campaign, it's, it's super important. What if you started to make a list of everything that you have? 
This is, this is my time, this is my talents, and this is my treasure. And you started to make a list of everything that God has given to you, your house, your car, your, your smile, your love, your friendship, your encouragement. What is in your checkbook? The talents, the abilities, the gifts, the skills that God has given you. And then on the other side, you parallel that and you asked yourself, how can those be used for God's glory? And you start drawing arrows over. God, how do you want to use my house? God, how do you want to use my car? God, how do you want to use my money? God, how do you want to use my smile? God, how do you want to use my time? And you just started going down that list and asking him, what if this campaign was an opportunity to loosen your grip on the things that you think you need to control in life? And instead, just give it all back to God. What I've been given and how God might want to use it for his kingdom. About a year or so ago, a guy from our church community uh, here, he's an 11 o'clock guy, and his name's Kyle, and, and he came to me and he said, John, you know, I, I give financially to the church, but I feel like God's calling me to do something more, something kind of unique. And he said, I just moved into a house right there, <laughs> literally right there across the street. And he said, it is way too close to Hubble for it not to bless the church. And I feel like God is calling me to use my house to bless the church. I feel like I'm supposed to give it back to God and offer it as a gift. And so we prayed about that together. And so for the last year or so, you may not know this, and you're all invited, obviously, to come back. Every week after our second service, there's a whole bunch of people that just go over to Kyle's house right across the block here and hang out and eat lunch together and be the church together. And he just opens up his house. On the first Friday of every month, a lot of you have been to this, is our, is our a prayer and worship night called Pause. Kyle opens up his house for that. He says, I don't have a lot of other things that I can give like other people do, but I have a massive living room. So he wrote, massive living room. Hmm, how does God want to use that for his glory? Open it up to the city. Open it up to the church. So instead of me telling you about it, Let's have Kyle tell you about it really quick. Let's take a look. I'm Kyle Peterson, and I've been around Hope since about 2006 and Des Moines campus since about 2010. I had the chance to move into the Roosevelt High School neighborhood and had a property that really lent itself to um, gathering and it was walking distance two blocks away from Hubble where Hope Des Moines meets. When I think about giving uh, both of my time and of, of my home for the kingdom it really kind of speaks of the I, I see what it means to be missional community um, as, as kind of the as the church. Uh, we see the example laid out of to, to gather and to kind of be generous with what you had and I've got a season in my life where um, I've got time to host and a facility to host. And to me, seeing lives changed because of the community, of the way God shows up, is one of the coolest things uh, you can imagine. And looking back over the, the months and years of, of relationships that have occurred, um, of the way people have done 180s in their own lives and in, the, in their journey with Jesus, we, we hear in the, uh, the epistles in the New Testament that you know, our God can do more than we can even ask or imagine. And I think by us just being faithful and, you know, being his hands and feet in the here and now, 
um, he's going to show up in mighty ways, in ways that we have no idea. So for Kyle, it's his living room and his hospitality. And for others of you, it might be the ways you serve now or the ways that you'll be a part of serving in our new facility. Because we're going to need builders. We're going to need planners. We're going to need craftsmen. We're going to need organizers. We're going to need decorators. We're going to need prayer warriors. In fact, one of the things that I've loved about this whole process as a campaign is that I have not been doing it all. Praise God, because it would be a disaster. We have incredibly organized people in this church. There's a group of about 25 people that have been working behind the scenes for the last couple months, our campaign team. And I am so incredibly thankful for them because we're doing this together as a church. And we've accomplished way more together than we could ever accomplish any one of us alone. And there, folks, there's so much stuff going on behind the scenes that so many of us will never know about. I, I don't know if you know, but last week I was walking through the hallways getting ready for worship and I was just walking through and I saw a couple of you <laughs> praying over the stairway, walking up and down the stairs, praying through the hallway where our Kingdom Quest kids are learning right now. Nobody's ever going to see that. But they're not doing it for the show. They're not, they're not doing it to be recognized just because it's needed. Because not one job is more important than next. Because here's the thing. On the flip side, for some of you, some of you are saying, I don't have a lot financially to give. And for others of you, you do. God has blessed you in that way. And the same idea of Stewardship also applies to you guys. Let me just shut it off. That's fine. I can talk. Um, the same idea of stewardship applies to all of you as well. And we, we read this in this passage from Mark, uh, or excuse me, from Luke chapter 12. It says, For everyone who has been given much, much will be expected. And from the one who has been entrusted with much, much more will be asked. We've been blessed to be a blessing, and it's still about stewardship. And instead of uh, I told you last week, instead of having my bad attitude and whining and complaining about having to be the guy that stands up here and says, I, we, need, we need all your money. <laughs> we need all your money for this project. I, uh, there's, there's no anxiousness in me. And I don't feel like I need to apologize one bit because I'm simply saying, pray about it. I'm simply saying, listen to God and take a step of faith because it's about his will for this church. In fact, this is kind of funny. I was talking to a friend uh, about the campaign and, and my desire to just be straightforward and honest uh, with people about the need that we have, that we do need people who have been blessed financially to give. And he goes, oh, John, this have another microphone. There we go. He said, this is easy. Here's all that you tell them. You tell them, folks, it's all God's money anyway. So everything that we already have is God's. We've got all the money that we need. The only problem is, it's in all of your checkbooks. And I said, I'll tell them exactly that. So there you go. That's it. Here's my challenge, is to just ask 